0: and an indó war. We
1: needed to change end of and then we a happy place
2: at the world. 걸 in love goodeng of the most where you became a life why a problem which Find us on all the usual podcast platforms.
1: This week on the Indo Daily.
0: I actually don't believe right, that priest said I have any harm.
1: He just like thought I knew. But that's how I found that Miriam Machina was dead. How likely is it that Trump will be found guilty of paying hush money to former adult film star Stormy Daniels? We're talking about involvement in serious drugs activity on both sides of the border and as well as at the procurement of weapons. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website.
2: If they were, O'Driscoll, oh Morgan, man it's Fitzgerald.
0: the South African teams were brought into the United Rugby Championship to add a little more competitive balance, or at least that was the hope heading into the 21-22 season, but with seven defeats out of eight games so far between the Bulls, Stormers, Lions and Sharks are they maybe not as good as we thought they were going to be? That's one of the conversation topics we will be discussing tonight on the Left Wing Podcast. Will Slattery here, joined by Luke Vestrell. Luke, Luke, how are you?
2: Excellent, Will. How are you find the new intro? You're, you're getting comfortable I know, yes.
0: Week two of the the more casual 2021 <laughs> kind of, you know, free-form intro. And I have my new microphone as well. Yeah, I hope I sound crazy, yeah. much more clear for Very listeners. professional,
2: Will. Very I'm, professional. Yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Yeah, hopefully my lisp isn't quite as prominent oh, It's, as the it's microphone.
2: character. microphone. I like it. It's a bit of character. Yeah, I like it. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, we're going to be joined by Keen Tracy in just a couple of minutes to discuss all the weekend's action from the United Rugby Championship, as well as an absolute cracker between South Africa and New Zealand it's an interesting time for rugby we're still kind of getting our feet under the desk for the new season but already a couple of interesting talking points springing up
2: definitely uh and yeah i know i don't want to give too much away we're going to get into it but um tricky start for the south african guys um you know interesting to see how they progress probably reluctant to probably rule them out or be too harsh too early but certainly a tricky start for them um is probably an understatement um Irish teams have started well, which is positive. Um, again, we're going to talk about the South Africa stuff and New Zealand. I mean, cheese. I mean, they just seem to get over the line. I mean, it was a really intra, uh, kind of an unusual match the way New Zealand finished. I know we'll, we'll probably t- touch on a bit of that as well. Munster had a great win um, and Ulster too. So, I mean, it was a big... Uh, Big weekend for the Irish provinces. Hopefully that momentum continues on because I'd like to see us have a few good wins and a good kind of run through into November internationals high in confidence against a few brilliant teams and to, to kind of get the, uh, get the excitement in the air for those games because we just, I, I suppose New Zealand that week in November, you know, whenever they're up here, there's a proper buzz around town for that one, isn't it? So for coming in in good form, uh, I think that'll make it even better. So um, yeah, loads to talk about this week, Will.
0: Yeah, and one thing over the weekend that didn't escape my eye, anyway, was uh, you know a massive moment for for supporters. Anyway, and I hope it doesn't come across as unprofessional, but alcohol is now being sold to games again, which is a, a big <laughs> boost uh, heading forward this season. I saw a couple of fans of the sports grounds uh, had had a beer in hand, which is good. I like fans, I went to I Ireland the fans USA. Of
2: Rodney prayed, had a few beers. Jesus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I I went to Ireland USA in the summer to uh, the Aviv and. After 10 minutes, it was about like 28-0. I've never wanted to drink more in my life. So uh, <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad now going forward, uh, it'll be an option for some of these games that maybe aren't quite as intense as, as Ireland versus uh, the All Blacks. But for now, we'd like to welcome back Keen Tracy to the show after a very busy weekend. Keen, how are you? Hey, lads. How are you? Yeah, no, great to have you back on. Uh, another exciting year of rugby to come. And a lot's happened already, even just last weekend. You know, two weekends into the United Rugby Championship, we had that cracker between South Africa and New Zealand as well. But... We might start off keen with a talking point you know it's kind of been talked a bit about after the first two weeks and that's the performances of the South African sides obviously four new teams coming in this year the sharks the stormers the bulls and the lions and while it's obviously very early to be judging them in a meaningful way it's been interesting to see how they fared over the first two weeks seven defeats from eight games you know even over the weekend Connacht you know putting the bulls to the sword after eventually the same the week previous you know what what have you made of their
1: opening two two weekends overall uh, I think underwhelming I think is it's fair to say um, I think you're right it probably is it's way too early to, to judge it on a whole but I think you know we were definitely expecting a lot more particularly from a team like the Bulls to have lost back-to-back games I know they're, they're two tough opening fixtures but I suppose it's the manner of defeats as well um, I was having a look at it between the four teams they conceded 260 points in the first two rounds 36 tries like it's, it's crazy stuff really and you know they're coming in off the back of the Curry Cup, and you know I know you can say that they might be a bit tired or whatever, but you'd expect them to be a bit more battle hardened. And the way they're kind of falling off after a kind of decent starts has been really disappointing. Um, you look at the Stormers in in Tolman Park; like they played some cracking rugby in that first half. Probably should have been more out of sight than fifteen nil up than than what they were, but they just really, really fell off in the second half. The Bulls were the same in the Sports Ground; just you know started well tail off so look it is far too early to join to to judge it but I, like it, it's a bit of a concern because you know so much is being said that there'll be a different proposition when they're playing at home but it still looks like that's going to be quite a long time away i mean there's talk already that you know some of the south african teams are going to be playing their home games if you want to call them that in italy so um, it could be a while yet before we see them kind of hitting their their straps and realistically you're probably not going to be seeing the springbok players um what's left of them in south africa playing probably until the new year so it's going to be a it could be a tough few months for them but i think if they could get a couple of the wins like i mean you mentioned it there the lions are the only team to have gotten a win and like that was against zebra to be fair um so i think if they could get a couple of wins it would i think it would lift the the kind of complexion of it but uh overall underwhelming but i'm definitely not making any sort of rash judgments either yet
0: yeah, as you said, there's a lot of issues facing them at the start of this season. You know, having to go away from home in the opening couple of games, you know, playing Leinster, playing Munster in Tolman Park, playing Leinster in the Aviva Stadium doesn't get any tougher for most teams in Europe. You know, they would struggle to, to win those games. But then, you know, to be beaten heavily by Glasgow and the Scarlets as well in some of the games, for the Benetton to beat the Stormers as well. And then when you, and when you make the point about the Springbok players were away. While well, the Sharks have a lot of reinforcements coming over the hill and, you know, Sia Khaleesi, Lucanio Am, Nkosi, Oxnice, Banambu, I think, joined over the summer. Some of the other teams don't have as many. The Lions, I don't think, even have a guy. Maybe they have one player in the Springbok squad. The Bulls, who are, you know, the Curry Cup champions, only really have Mornay Stain. Remember, Tre- Trevor Enyakane, and I think Johan Grabala and an uncapped hooker. So there's not a huge amount of reinforcements coming to f- for some of the other teams. So, you know, would you be any way concerned that maybe it might be more of the same in terms of the South African teams being maybe competitive at home and, and, and turning teams over, but ultimately not maybe adding that huge amount of competitiveness that the Irish provinces
2: certainly have been banking on. Uh, yeah, I think definitely. Um, and probably a bit of concern. Like there's always going to be a, be a bit of a betting in period as well. I mean, we've got to remember how badly hit South Africa has been with COVID. Um, you know, so I think as well, there's probably, that that is probably bubbling around in the background somewhere, even though, yes, they're coming in and we'd expect them to be a little bit battle hardened. But I think if you were to say, if you're to look at it another way, you know, yes, they look battle. They might, they might well be battle hardened, but like they have seem to have fallen off quite a bit in the second half of the games so maybe that would lend itself to that point of view that look they just looked at it's you know been a long old truck you know trek for them they're now open in, in the northern house for for a couple of weeks touring you know that's always been challenging for south african teams um even though they have the added advantage of not having too much of a time zone difference um you know versus say when they're playing in you know in super rugby and things like that so um yeah, it's a tricky one to know. Like I'm, ca- I'm probably a bit cautious to cast judgment so quickly. It certainly hasn't been a good start, um, and it was hard to know really what to expect as well, wasn't it? Like I do think that the Irish teams in Europe are pretty hard to beat at home anyway. But as you said, there's probably two that were a bit worrying. Um, you know, I don't think Glasgow are any great shakes, and you know, Scarlets have been on a downward trend since that victory, uh, you know, a couple of years back against Munster in the final. So. Um, it's a tricky one to call. I'm cautious not to get too, you know, not not to be too downtrodden. And I still think they're a great addition, and I do think they will get better. Um, but there's a unhe- few unhealthful things that are probably, you know, don't help in the backdrop in, in terms of this season, particularly, you know, as as, as alluded to, you know, they might not be able to play any games in South Africa. Like that'd be a bit. That's huge for South African teams. And also, I think you know, leaving aside the rugby, the rugby advantage of playing at home. Um, You know, it probably doesn't really bed the competition in that well there. You'd probably like to have a few supporters watching a few good games down there as well. Um, so that's not really helpful. So hopefully that, well, we don't know if things will change there. Hopefully they will. But um, yeah, uh, it's a bit concerning to start. But I, 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 as I said, I don't want to cast judgment too quickly, Will. Yeah, Keenan, I suppose one interesting thing,
0: and it kind of goes to the Connick Bulls game as well, was that one of the fears from maybe a Connick perspective even was that four big South African franchise coming in, they could be the team that was squeezed there. That's why it was such an interesting game to come early in the season. We had Jake White's comments obviously before the game as well, which you might touch on in a minute. But it was a real litmus test for Connick, given that they are a bit of a crossroads, considering that it will be very difficult for them to get back into the Champions Cup. And from that perspective, you know, it's a really crucial win to get early in the season to kind of just kind of as a, you know a shot into the air that they 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 can take on these south african teams.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think particularly after being beaten to to Cardiff last week um going 7-0 down so early at home. I mean, I know it's only week 2, but if they had lost back-to-back games there there'd be huge pressure on them and question marks being asked, but yeah, like the manner of their win was so impressive. Um five tries scored by backs, but You know the pack did so much work, um, and that's been an issue for Connacht so so often in the past. Is that the pack just haven't been able to live with the the, the bigger teams? And to be fair, that the Bulls are like they're a powerful unit um, up front, but. Um, I just thought the icons were super, super impressive. Um, Tom Daly and Tom Farrell in midfield just looked like such a brilliant axis together. Um, guys like you know, like they had a strong bench coming on as well. Leva Fafita coming, you know, he's going to add a, a good bit of bulk, and you know, he's got big boots to fill in in Quinn Roo. You know, Quinn Roo was there to do a job, and like sometimes it's easy to to look at a sign, a new signing coming in, and thinking what he's going to add to the setup, but they are kind of so hamstrung that, you know, this guy, you know, Tongan International, a big, beefy lock, is actually coming in to replace, like, a similar player rather than adding to the setup, if you know what I mean. So that's kind of been Connacht's issue. But um, as a starting point, I thought it was hugely impressive. Um, I was chatting, I was on the Connacht press conference today with um, Andy Friend and, you know, you mentioned Jake White's comments and, like, Connacht are not, not happy about that at all. Um, I suppose like they weren't aware of what he had said before the match, and I'm sure everyone has heard them at this point, but just making out that Connacht are basically a second, second-class second citizens and have to make do with Leinster's cast-offs, that hasn't gone down well at all in Galway, and Connacht weren't even aware of it, because it was obviously said in his TV pre-match interview until after the game, but it didn't exactly add any extra fuel to her fire, but it was interesting to hear Andy Friend saying that, yeah, like it is something that they're sick and tired of hearing that, you know, these comments aren't in isolation, that they're, they're just one of many that's happened over the years. And that's a big thing I think for Connacht at the moment is trying to change the perception that people have of them from the outside which which is easier said than done to be fair but you know i thought pat lamb did such a brilliant job at that like he delivered silverware with it they had a rocky patch under kieran keen when he came in after lamb left but andy friend has really steadied the ship and you know like it was interesting bernard jackman was writing about this in the sunny independent a couple of weeks ago it was a really good piece um, just about conoch struggles and you know how different life is for them compared to the other three provinces um, you know, he was talking about they were he was coming home from Bristol Airport, and some of the kind of players were like trying to like catch some kip on the on the ground in the terminal and stuff. You know, whereas your likes at Leinster and Munsters will have charter flights laid on for that. So, um, that's a very long winded way, will of saying that like it was a massive win for them early on because you know if they had back to back defeats, I think the pressure would have really piled on them.
0: Yeah, Luke, uh, from your perspective, uh, for looking at Connacht, where do you feel the growth areas are for them to to kind of maybe take another step forward? Obviously, Andy Friend has done a good job. Pat Lamb had that phenomenal season. It's easy to forget that Connacht have won a trophy 10 years more recently than Ulster and five years more recently than Munster. Um, but, you know, it, from from his perspective, what can he do, do you think, to 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 get them maybe a, a little bit closer to the top table?
2: Yeah, look, you're always going to be restricted by budget. Like... <laughs> You have to have an unbelievable coach um, and coaching staff and player. I mean, that was a brilliant player group that Pat Lam had, but he got everyone buying into a way of playing rugby. And I will say, and I think a, a friend has actually done it quite well. Uh, you mentioned Fafita there. Like, I think he's a he could be a serious signing. You know, he could be someone that could really lift that team. Um, you know, and you got Aki, and you got a few guys, you got a few big personalities in there. Like Ken it will be a big loss for any team that he comes out of. Um, and I think they probably struggled. Even though the guys have been good there, they probably struggled a little bit to replace someone of his quality. Like he just like he's not really you don't really get. There's not too many Robbie Henshaws out there. So that's, that's, that 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 was a big loss for them. Um, but one thing I would say is I think that the you've got to recruit unbelievably well because you're going to have limited resources. So you have to have someone who can really spot, um, you know, what what the team needs and who would be brilliant at that. And you got to do it on a budget, like really, really challenging stuff to do. Um, I think he's shown signs of being able to do that. Um, you know, the probably one that jumps out is probably, I mean, I, like what, what lamb got out of Muldownie? Like, I mean, he was like an absolute linchpin for that team, but that's kind of what I'm getting at. You need to have guys that maybe don't fit the eye in other clubs, but that are perfect for AJ McGinty, McGinty, these guys who are like, yeah, exactly. Maybe out of favor somewhere else. Um, but fit perfectly to a vision that you have and you can get everyone on the same page. And I think that's how you do it, because let's face it, I don't think the financial situation in the game is fully steady in Ireland yet. That means that things aren't like, Connacht is always going to be the first one that they try and restrict the budget on. Um, whether that's right or wrong, I don't know, but I think that like the bigger markets are definitely in, you know, in Belfast, in Limerick and in Dublin. Um, Honorable mention to the Corkonians there. I know they hate if they're not mentioned, but do you know what I mean? It's, it's, a, it's a bit, it's, it's an unfortunate circumstance they find them in, but that's the challenge that you accept when you go down there. You've got to back your coaching ability. You've got to be really, really hot on finding value in the market to plug holes and to, and to, to get the right people in to, you know, deliver on your vision for the team. And that's the huge challenge. That is, and that's no, I mean, it's commendable, you know, going down there because it's a big challenge that you're facing. And oftentimes you're playing in, like, I think they've really overachieved the last couple of years. They, they could be playing against teams with gigantic budgets, like, you know, Toulouse. They've played a couple of fixtures against Toulouse the last couple of years. I like, talk about chalk and cheese in terms of, you know, Toulouse can go out and get whoever they want in the market. Um and that's not going to be the case there. So that's the big challenge for me. Will always there, uh, and that's how you arrest it. Is you, you have to be brilliant at those things, having a vision, buy in, and finding value
1: in the market. I think there's a bit of I think there's a bit of um, Pat Lamb in Andy Friend, Luke, in, in that regard. I, I I think he does have a vision for Connacht, and I think it's pretty aligned with what Pat Lamb had. To be fair, and you know, you look at guys like I mentioned, Tom Daly and Tom Farrell. Like they've really reinvented themselves since they've gone to Connacht. And he, you're right, like they have really. Bought into it, but I think you look at sort of Andy Friends, you know, um the the transfer business he's done in terms of the Australian market. You know, a guy like John Porch, I think has been really, really unheralded since he's brought him in, been excellent. And you look at Mac Matt Hansen's try last week. I mean, I know it's only round two, but it's probably going to be a try of the season. Definitely a contender if you won't see Manny better than it. Um, so you're right, it is about buying in. And I think another point worth mentioning as well is. There was a lot of change in the backroom team um, in Connacht this summer. You know, they lost Nigel Carlin, who's gone to Glasgow, who's like such a key part of that Connacht team for so long. But, you know, they've promoted Mossy Lawler and Cody Tucker from the academy. Um, Pete Wilkins has gone from defence to attack, which is obviously a big change in itself. And then DeWall Senecal has come in from Stade Francais. So, there's a lot of new ideas in, in, in that mixing pot, you know? So I think it was always going to be about how Connacht could gel and, you know, take on board what they're saying. Cause that's a lot of, yeah, like I said, a lot of new ideas and I think it will take a bit of time, but um, I think with Andy Friend at the helm, I think they have a real, you know, steady, steady pair of hands. Even today, you could tell he was really pissed off about the Jake White stuff, but, he just doesn't get too flustered about it. Um, he's a real yeah. He's a real steady hand, and any of the any of the players you talk to, like even off the record, they'll tell you how much they enjoy playing for him, and that that's, that matters a lot. I think in terms of where Connacht are going, yeah, like
2: as well, you really have to back your coaching ability, don't you? I think that's a huge thing there. Like, I think if you're a great coach, or you have or you have great staff. Like that's really important. I can't overemphasize that. I mean, that, I mean, you look at Pat Lamb. he had a great coaching staff there. I mean, it's really, really important that you do have those uh, people with with good ideas. And it was great. I mean, he's obviously able to cr- recruit well and sell people on the idea. Uh, like that's very evident to me. And every time you hear him speak, you, I just like him. I don't know. I don't know about you, Keen and 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 Will. You, I'm sure you've heard him talking a good bit as well. It's just he comes across as a pretty solid guy and like he gets it. Like I feel like every time I see him interviewed after a game, he kind of gets it and like knows what was happening in the game, knows the key areas where they need to, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to go on and on about him.
0: But... He posts some very wholesome Twitter content as well of cycling around, you know, <laughs> you know, the greater Galway area and swimming in Salt Hill and stuff. <laughs> He's,
2: He's a, a man of the school. people. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So yeah, good place to be doing that.
0: Well, just one thing on Nigel Carlin Keen, Keane, you mentioned there, it was interesting to see, I think, Cole Forbes from Glasgow talking him up at the weekend. They scored some really good tries against the Sharks. It's, it's good to see someone step out of the R system and, you know, and hit the ground running with, it, with a new team. Uh, but maybe moving on to Leinster now, uh, a bit of a strange game uh, against the Dragons over in Rodney Parade Keen. It was you know, 7-6, very low scoring. I think Bernard Jackman I, on against the head like it to that 3-0 cracker against Zebra a couple of years ago. Um, like Lenser had a pretty strong team out. I know some of the frontliners were maybe arrested but but some guys who would really be wanting to put their hand up for later in the year didn't take that chance. Uh, Dragons probably had a good chance of maybe snatching it at the end. What, what did you make of it?
1: Yeah, I think you did. You call it a strange game. I think is that another word for pretty terrible. um <laughs> Yeah, it, it wasn't a great watch. It was tough. It was a tough watch for a Sunday afternoon. Um, that's for sure. Um, yeah, it was just, it was just so on Leinster. Like, you just don't see it. Like, I know there was a few changes, you know, they had a couple of young lads playing and whatnot, but you just don't see a Leinster team that inaccurate, particularly in the opposition 22. Like, they had so, many, so much possession, so much territory, but they just, couldn't, they just couldn't make it count. And I think, yeah, you're right. Um, like, the Leinster environment is no different this year in that it's so competitive. So, like, anytime any of these, like, lads who wouldn't be perceived as first-teamers get a chance you have to take it because if you don't, there's someone else waiting to come in after you to take it. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned it, like they were down to, Dragons were down to 13 men at one point and Lenskirk still couldn't, uh, still couldn't find a way through. Um, I thought the end of the game really summed up how, how muddled they were in their thinking. Um, even from both teams, God, it was, it was shocking stuff. Um, Kieran Frawley had a chance to kick the ball out with only a few seconds left and he kicks it back to the Dragons and, um, they come back again, end up knocking on the ball. It goes loose. Dan Levy, for some strange reason, kicks it along the ground, puts Hugo Keenan under pressure. The clock is well in the red. Hugo Keenan has to pass it to Gary Ringrose, who does get it out like eventually. But it was a bizarre finish to a bizarre game. But I think in a strange roundabout way, a game like that, Leinster, the coaching staff might take more out of it than if they had went over there and absolutely pumped them by 30 or 40 points because... I imagine the review yesterday was probably, you know, it probably didn't reflect well on a lot of lads, but um, maybe in the long run, getting a game like this could be, could be good for Leinster. Because to me, and we won't know this for sure, no one's going to tell us if they were, but they look complacent Um, they look like they took the Dragons for, for granted and they just about got away with the win.
0: Yeah, just in, t- in fairness to Kieran Farley, because I was watching the highlights back last night I think it was about 10 seconds left if he could put that out I think they might have had a line out in the 22 I think he would have had to hold it for a little too long and he might have been caught in trouble but I take your point uh, that, that what happened after that w- was was definitely strange uh, Luke, on Keane's point there about them taking more from that performance, you know, they've played the Dragons a lot over the last couple of years and, and, you know, beaten them very easily. Will that Monday morning kind of review of the game, will that be very beneficial, do you think? Or would they would, it be,
2: would they have been better off just putting them to the sword? Um, yeah, look, I think they'll be so better. Like, I think the coaching staff in these situations will always take the opportunity to um, make sure that people remember that you've got to be on it every week. Uh, it doesn't matter who you're playing and um you know there's personal standards involved and i'm sure they'll be there to remind them saying like look there's a few people here that need to take this opportunity this is a squad littered with internationals if you don't play well there's an international behind you waiting for the opportunity so uh you know make sure that if you get a chance like this again and you might not but if you do make sure you take the opportunity and you play well and you take it seriously because you could really see it around rook time and i thought uh, in the contact area particularly you always see when teams are not up for their, so they're just, a, you know, half a percent off. Um, I mean, the amount of times that the ball was ripped out of someone in contact or the ball was dropped or people were overrunning things and in bad positions, like oftentimes where you'll really see it, like it, whether it's very obvious is, is the contact, right? And I thought they were poor in areas there, but really your preparation to be in a good position to receive the ball, that's something that I think you really see when teams are slightly off it. So when you're in a bad position to catch a ball, if you're overrunning, if you're not getting back in position early enough, um, you know that's where you know you know a pass becomes very hard to throw um, because you're overrunning it. You drop it. It, it. You could really see that throughout the whole game. It sounds like a weird thing to say because it's hard to measure. But that's I look at that oftentimes and say, well, you know, if you're really on it, like if in a, on a big European day that person is like a half a yard deeper. They've worked a little bit earlier to get back in position, to make the pass a little bit easier, to give themselves options to throw. And and, and, and the knock-on effect is that everything else flows easier. Everyone else's position is better, et cetera, et cetera. So these things always have a knock-on effect. And I thought I saw loads of that with Leinster. Um, And I'd agree with the, the very odd finish kind of I think really did. It was, it was an apt finish to that kind of game. Like, I mean, the kick on the ground at the end was bizarre. Like I know Dan Levy hasn't played, Dan Levy hasn't played much rugby, but that was a moment of insanity. I was like, like his game was purely built around beating the crap out of people. And he, and it was great to see him get a nice run off. But like trying to like do a little dab up into, uh, into someone's hands with the tip of your boot. That's not something that I'd associate with someone like him.
1: Um, I watched it back a couple of times, Luke, and I like—I just couldn't stop laughing. He looked like a guy who would never kicked a ball like on the ground in all in all his life. For a professional rugby player, it was bizarre. It was like this, like it, I, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, but he did not look <laughs> like this. bizarre. Yeah. I was like, yeah. you know, I know what he was trying to do, but I was like, that'd be pretty hard
2: <laughs> on a flat pitch with a soccer ball to your mate, like because you'd have to even yeah. be. Quite deaf not to overdo it with a soccer, you know, because like, he was far. It was, the, I don't know. Look, it was a moment of madness. But again, it fit, it fit the bill for the game. Because even the Dragons, I mean, they threw, I mean, the, the kick, like Roger uh, Williams, that kick over the, like, what was he thinking? Like, even that they got another opportunity was, it was bizarre. So, yeah, look, it was a bit of a weird game. I thought the Dragons were quite good in that Um, they got off the line quite hard. Um, and they pressurised the Leinster's first carrier a huge amount. But off, oftentimes it was like a single defender, like oh, it was the third or fourth defender rushing up really hard. The reason I highlighted the positional thing, which probably I should have alluded to earlier on, was that Leinster never were in a position to tip that ball on and to take advantage of that single runner, single kind of defensive guy coming out of the line, putting massive pressure on. If you're in a better position, if you're up for the game and and you're ready and and kind of waiting for the opposition to kind of do this to you. I think they expose him. That's why I think on another day, Leinster would really expose them if they were on the money. So it's probably a timely reminder for some of the younger guys to not be complacent. Like they've pumped all these teams for a couple of years and everyone looks like a hero, but now they're kind of coming, but well, there's not that many opportunities. All the internationals are back. You know, there was only a few guys away with the lions. The internationals are there. So, and these opportunities are absolutely goldless for you now. Um, so, yeah, I think there'll be a lot of people who might be disappointed and, you know, um, it might take them a very long time to get another opportunity. So they'll be reminding them of that. will. that's definitely a, it's an opportunity for them to do that.
0: Yeah, and there won't be any uh, URC games during the international uh, breaks, as they ordinarily would be, where like the, a lot of young players would, would get to get a few runouts. Keen, one, one kind of the Leinster talking point that is interesting is the, kind of the prop swap between Porter and Healy. Uh, Porter going loosehead, which to be fair had been kind of teed up for quite a long time, but people maybe didn't think Keen Healy might go in the opposite direction. You know, it, it could end up being really good for for both players, for Leinster, for Ireland, if it goes well.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think the Porter one has been flagged for for a long time, really. Um, like he did start out at Lucet, and you know, like I remember watching that guy in school, like playing for Saint Andrews and then for the Ireland under twenties, and like God, he was incredible at Lucet, absolutely incredible. Um, so I think it was always the intention to turn him back. You know, Leinster and Ireland saw that there was a bit of a shortage in tight head, but. Um, it's it's interesting to look at it in the bigger picture in terms of what it means for Ireland as well because um, you can see the logic in what Ireland and Leinster are hoping for. They want to have a front row with Tag Furlong and Andrew Porter in it, which makes a lot of sense. But like you think back to how good Porter has been as and particularly when Tag Furlong was um, was out injured for, for that length of period um, during the Six Nations, he really stepped in and like earned a place in the Lions tour as a tight head, you know, who, who could cover, but he earned his place as a tight head. So it's sort of strange timing in, in, in that regard because he had been viewed as literally a world-class tight head. But um, if borders the start for Ireland at the in the loose head, um it leaves a bit of a gap, I think, bef- behind Tyg Furlong at, at, at tight head. So you're kind of looking towards um, a Tom O'Toole maybe, and maybe that's the man who Ireland think are going to carry the can. But I think in terms of Keane Healy, I don't think many people saw that coming. Luke might be able to give us the inside story and what, what, what was going on, but I don't think many people saw it. I think when Leinster signed Michael Alalatoa, who looks like a very good signing, to be fair, um, and I think he, he'll really fit into the way Lencer are trying to play. But um, yeah, it's a big move. I mean, I remember talking to Mike Ross about this. Uh, I think earlier this year, um, and he'll tell you like it's it's much harder to go from loose head to tight head than it is to tight head to loose head. So um, it's obviously something Keen Healy has been training with all of summer, um, and I think he's actually done pretty pretty well in the scrum um, in the first two games um, that he's come in. But I mean, doing it in these kind of games is very different to doing it in international rugby. So I think it's only very interesting to see um how that plays out. Like you look at the body shape even of Andrew Porter. Um I remember seeing preseason pictures of him um in training and that and thinking, God, like he's really looks like he's shed down like maybe that the, the loose head thing is happening. So I think it makes a lot of sense to move to move Porter back. And I think it'll be fascinating to see how Keane Healy goes at tight head.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one, you know, the 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 pop, the point you made from Mike Ross saying it's easier to switch from tight head to loose head because you know even you know, I, I know swapping sides like Finley Beale against Georgia in the autumn, like had you know a tough time when he was swapped over. Like it's not maybe as easy as people might think on the outside looking in. But Luke, I know you wanted to talk about the Keen Healy switch and and what it might do for his potential longevity, maybe playing a little longer,
2: perhaps. I think so. I mean, like, I, look, we've got to say that, like, I still think Keane Healy's, you know, and and uh, and Kilcoyne's been playing very good, but I still think that's a tight enough battle between those two. But you've got two lions. Like, you can't have two Lions. So you can, but I don't think it's a good use of resources. resources. Um, and also the age profile of, of Ty Furlong and uh, Porter is, is better uh, than, say, Keane Healy. Um, so I think that, you know, you have to have your two Lions starting for you, don't you? I, I, that, and that's definitely the logic. You can't say, well, we're going to have them there for 40 minutes each or one of them for 50 and one of them for 30 every week. You've got to try and get them both on for 60, whatever, 70 minutes um, in, in every game because it's a huge advantage for you. So that's the thinking definitely in terms of the resources. From Keane Healy's perspective, you know, he's kind of a versatile guy anyway, you know, like and there's no look, it's very hard to find a better athlete than him. Um, and he's fairly grizzled at this stage. Uh, I think that's really shown. Like, it'll be interesting to see how he gets on against the bigger opposition if those days come. They might well not. But if they do, he looked bloody good against Dragons. I mean, I'm sure you guys would have seen that scrum where you could clearly see he popped straight through the, uh, the loose head and the hooker uh, for that scrum, that, that, that scrum pen that Leinster got. I mean, it was an unbelievable power. And uh, then maybe the whole scrum was going forward. I wish I knew more about it. But you could you could clearly see him busting through that part of that you know the the loose head and the hooker. Um, so I mean that I thought totally, he and they were all giving him the head pats as well. So usually they have a good idea what's going on as well. Um, so really positive for him. I think he's you know the versatility would definitely extend his career out. Uh, I mean tight. that if you can if you if you can get you know people will, have, will take 20, 30 minutes from a tight head. I mean, that gives you real longevity because he's so mobile anyway compared to most props. Like he's probably coming into a part of his career where he's almost like normal mobility for a prop and um, having always been, you know, a bit of a freak show. So it uh, just shows you what a good athlete he is. So hopefully that goes well, because I think for Ireland, you know, yes, you like if you're really stuck, you know, maybe you go back to Porter if Ty Furlong has a long-term injury. Um... But uh to have another option like Keane Healy there with all his experience, I think that's good. And I think for Leinster, like yes, Adatoa is there. But um, you know, I think Keen Healy, like hard to leave him out of the team. I think he might end up being kind of the guy that's on the bench that kind of covers a bit of everything. Do you know that, do you know that kind of way? And he and and how bad. I mean, he's so like I think his scrummaging has been really unheralded the last couple of years. Um, as I said, you know, with limited uh, experience in the area myself. Um, only having talked to my father about it, he thinks he's been he's a real technician in there, particularly at loose head. Obviously, he learned the trade at tight head, but he thinks he's a real technician in there at this stage of his career. Um so having him around, I mean, he's got le- plenty left in the tank, I think.
0: Yeah, and it's funny. Keen mentioned earlier about how Andrew Porter started out as a loose head like Keen Healy back in the day, started out as a hooker, you know, when he was in school, a really dynamic hooker. So he could have played the entire front row by the end of uh by the end of his uh career. Um Keen, we might kind of move on slash coming towards the end here. South Africa, New Zealand over the weekend, you know, a, a clash of the absolute titans. It was, it was. I don't know if I'm over-egging it because it's the last big game I've seen, but it, it definitely felt like one of the better test matches I've seen in the last 10 or so years. You know, were these are South Africa the top dogs now? Obviously, got after the Lions tour, you know, got a lot of criticism for the style of play. It was a good Test Series victory for them, whatever about how they went about it. But to beat New Zealand, and they they played well. They seemed to have got the balance a bit better for for that victory they weren't kicking it quite as much they weren't they they seem to have a bit more like kind of i don't know dynamism about them is that fair to say
1: yeah i think it is god like it was i agree with you it was an absolutely cracking cracking game and it was a fitting kind of way maybe to finish the the rugby championship um i mean seeing the videos of rassi erasmus watching the game in his boxers and having a couple of beers was just like i don't know It it was it was something else but um yeah like there was just so many standout moments from from the game like Luke An oh. past who by the way Oof. is he just, is unbelievable he's such such a brilliant, brilliant player I, like, he didn't um, have
2: much time to get like he just literally got a glimpse of that and did it. It was unbelievable.
1: Yeah, like, like I actually had to watch it back like so many times to see like how he managed to do it. I'm still not quite sure. He just made it look so easy. Um but there were so mo- so many moments of absolute brilliance and again from both teams to be fair. Um even you know Ardie Surveya's try an absolutely stunning set piece move which I'm a soccer for but um yeah, like S- South Africa have definitely earned their place as top dogs. I know New Zealand won the rugby championship and They, you know, we talk about the finish in the Leinster Dragons game and it being so on Leinster, like the finish in the, in the All Blacks um, South Africa game was so on New Zealand. Like, Uh, like how many times do they get into those positions and just see out the game? And then for, even to be fair, for a referee to ping them for offside in front of their own posts, I was like, okay, maybe they're, they're, yeah, yeah, absolutely, (laughs) yeah, like I, I, Ireland in particular have been on the end of some you know tough decision near the end of the games against the All Blacks in the past. So um it was yeah, there was just something nice about seeing them being pinged. And to be fair, like you watch it back, they were a mile offside. And it's great to see the the offside being policed, particularly at that stage of the game. So yeah, look, it was it was an absolutely cracking game. Um and it looked and it was great to see South Africa play a bit more rugby as well, because like as neutrals, like that's what that's what we we all want to see. But I suppose in terms of the All Blacks, you know, ending on a losing note, they're going to be coming up to this part of the world in a few weeks. And, like, you know, Ireland are going to be playing them in Dublin. So, already looking forward to that. Yeah, and just so, some
0: points on the South African performance, like Dwayne Vermeulen, and I thought, looked brilliant. You know, he got a huge turnover there towards the end. Obviously, he's going to be coming up at the end of the Autumn Internationals and playing for us, sir. You mentioned Lucan Am, who we're going to see in the United Rugby Championship at some stage. He's probably the informed 13 in World Rugby. You know, a few other guys stood out as well that we'll be seeing a little later on in the year. Luke, for for, for you, like, you know, h- how do you kind of assess where these two teams are at? Like, even the All Blacks are in an interesting place. Like, Bowden Barrett started ahead of Richie Moanga. Barrett for years was the the class ten in the world. Like, how do you rate that now? think God, Moanga seems him in, to... in the right position. Like, what were
2: they doing picking him? But do you still think he he should be starting ahead of Moanga? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like he's he's one of the best. He's one of my favorite players to watch. I won't be ever. I'll be, always be picking him at 10, always. Uh, his problem is that he's bounced around a little bit as well. Like he's done a bit of a tour around and he do a bit of a trip to Japan and all that kind of stuff. That, that never helps, even though they let them off. Like Moonga's been there playing Crusaders who are you know, obviously outstanding year in, year out. is a brilliant, brilliant footballer and obviously a better kicker off the deck. But I think now having Jordy there, I don't. I think that kind of
1: how, how good is Jordy?
2: Unbelievable. But like he becomes a little bit redundant then, doesn't he? Like in terms of the kicking part, which is the really, which to my, in my opinion is the only real bit that he's better at than Dan um, than Barrett. Like Barrett is a freak of nature. Like he's so quick. He's a big guy too. He's strong, um, and he's so fit. Like I know Moongas fit too. But I, I've said this to you lots of times. Will. like the amount of times that I see uh you know Bowden Barrett on the end of you know one of those lung busting kind of plays it was a big turnover or something he's the last guy to score the try or he's the you know the last guy to make this try save and tackle he just always seems to be in the right place at the right time and he's a brilliant he runs the game brilliantly um I never understood not picking him at 10 I thought it was I've always think it's a mistake um you know your best player should be at 10 I, I, I firmly believe that if you have, if, if he can play 10, your best player plays 10.
0: Yeah, King. What, what do you think about that? Like, you know, I think it's a lot closer than Luke is saying. I think Richie Mohan oh, no, is on, on, I'm I not think... saying
2: he's brilliant. I'm, just, I'm not, not brilliant. Hang on. That's putting words in my mouth. Hang on. Let me like, stop that for a second. But Bowden Barrett's one of the best. He, on his day, he's the best in the world, I think.
0: Yeah, well, I, well my point is, I, is, is his day is his day not dumb, but it is is Richie Mwanga, has now has he supplanted him I, I from what I've seen of Mwanga over the last year since covid happened and Barrett hasn't as you said hasn't played as much I think I think has been unbelievable I think and even at the weekend I didn't think Barrett had a great game
1: I agree with you like I think Mawang is absolutely incredible and I wonder how much of it you know was rewarding him like Luke touched upon you know he was you know starting 10 for the Crusaders while Bowden Barrett was off earning his you know few shillings in Japan which he's well entitled to do but I agree. Like I think bow players at their peak. I I don't think for a second that Bowden is anywhere near finished. I think bow players at their peak, on their day, like I would have Bowden Barrett, like every day. Just just because he's so exciting to watch. Um, I agree with you, Luke. Like his fitness is absolutely like just you 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 hear that though. Like in the preseason when his Bronco scores are always like ridiculous and things like that. But he has this kind of understanding as well with Jordy. Um, who I think has been absolutely insanely good in the rugby championship like his his chases on restarts are just incredible um he's a big but how quick does he move for such a big man as well there's just something in those barrett jeans like isn't there um but i think uh, he's been one of the real success stories of um of the rugby championship for the all blacks
0: hmm. and it, it really does set things up so nicely i think ahead of the autumn internationals like i i, I tweeted it today the kind of the fixture schedule you have so many good games and I know South Africa are probably top top of the table now after you know winning the you know winning the Lions Test series, beating the All Blacks in that great game. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of flux generally in international rugby. Like there's probably five six Nations teams who can beat each other. You know Australia had two really good wins over South Africa. New Zealand beat South Africa, but then also lost to them and looked a little vulnerable at times. I think it really does seem to be up in the air heading into November. Liz. It
2: is. Do you know what's really interesting? I think is it's kind of the World Cup cycle. I know it's really early to be talking about it, but. Um, you know, there's lots of teams like like I think, you know, yes, we're talking about New Zealand and, and South Africa. And I do think South Africa probably are nudged ahead and are probably a little bit more settled than New Zealand, maybe. Uh, might sound like a weird thing to say, but just if I feel maybe a little bit more settled or have a bit more of an idea about, you know, who's in the key positions, what type, you know, how, how they're going to play. And I think they, they only play one way, really. I know they expanded slightly in the weekend outside of the usual. But um, I think that was because all the talk about the negativity, I think they tried to catch them on the hop and they did to a certain extent. Um, But I think New Zealand are still kind of figuring a little bit out to me uh, when I'm watching them. Um, And in terms of world rugby, there's a few really young, like I I, I think there's been a real nice transition into a few like, you know, younger players coming through as well. People that I'm really, particularly in the Six Nations, um, really exciting competition as always. But I'm really interested to see how those guys kind of kick on um you know in, in in the autumn internationals and see kind of because i think it sets up nicely for a brilliant i think this year six nations is going to be an absolute whopper um whopper go around because i think france are getting better uh wales is you know i don't know how they don't know how they do what they do but they've got a few really exciting young, young guys coming in um you know i, I can't wait i think Zamet I, I was so surprised if we didn't see more of him um you know on, on the lion's tour but there's a few guys like that that I'm really excited to see. And the English guys, I mean, they've had a few brilliant under-20s teams. I think a few of those guys, are not, a few of those names might be popping their head up. Um, and I think we're actually, Ireland are in a good space as well. So yeah, Autumn International, that fixture list looks brilliant. And I think it's it's teeing up nicely for, you know, I think we'll, we'll have a bit more of an idea about who the top dogs are maybe after this little period and, and, and what kind of you know who's who are the ones to watch uh, in this next little cycle. We're coming into that key, kind of key phase where guys need to be playing week in, week out. You know.
0: Yeah, King, because so if you look at the World Cup cycle, like, you know, the Masters or something like that, I think this next period is kind of like moving day yeah, where, like, so. teams are kind of jockeying for position. There's so much interest. Like, even England and Eddie Jones, like, that training squad he named recently, like, getting rid of some of those loyal guys. He is back time and again. Billy Vunapola gone. Jamie George gone. Finally bringing in some of the, the younger players in the Premiership who a lot of people have been clamoring to see. Like, they, he has a bit of a rebuild on his hands, and there's not a huge amount of time to do it, but obviously, Rossi Erasmus showed in the last cycle... At, at around a similar period, it can definitely be, be done. There's, there's a lot of teams who are doing well, but also a lot of teams who, who, who want to maybe tweak some things or, or make big changes, like England.
1: Yeah, like in Ireland, I suppose, are no different either. I think Ireland are still figuring themselves out under, you know, particularly in attack under Mike Cat and things like that. You look at the the summer games um, against Japan and USA and like someone like Robert Balakun, you know, is breaking through. I'm really excited to see how he goes this season for Ulster and if he'll get another chance, I'm sure he will in, in the November games. And like you mentioned how tough the, the schedule is, Will, but like if Ireland, you know, could get could get a win over the All Blacks, you know, it looks like a long shot now, but... You know, going down there next summer um is going to be incredibly tough, but also incredibly beneficial because you'll be really into the the of the World Cup cycle by, by summer of 2022. You know, you'll be just over a year out from the World Cup. So I think that's a massively important time for Ireland as well. But there's a lot of exciting young players like someone like Ryan Baird, you know, Ronan Kellerher, even like someone like Dan Sheehan. I'm really excited to see. Gavin Coombs, I think, you know has been picked up where he left off at Munster last season, big shoes to fill in CJ Standard. So, you know, you you mentioned Eddie uh, England there and Eddie Jones, but I think Ireland and Andy Farrell have a lot of, you know, they could go through a bit of a transition over the next few months as well, which is very exciting.
0: Yeah, like Ireland could beat the all blacks in the autumn. They could win the Grand Slam and then whitewash New Zealand the next summer. And I still won't make a peep about the World Cup. I've been burned too
2: many times before. Like after 2018, I'm not I'm not saying anything about back in the World this Cup time in all the time. But um it is an interesting one because I like it's it's really teen up lovely. It's I think it has to make it there's a few young guys, as I said, who who need to be starting to break in a couple of years before the world cup to really be hitting their strides. And I think we were right on that little period uh, where you kind of seen a few interesting names and a few of the, in in a few of the training squads. So Australia as well, bit of a bit of a resurgence, hopefully uh, we do hope. Um, Yeah. So I I don't know. Very exciting, very exciting couple of months now ahead. I'm buzzing for it actually.
0: No. Yeah. Same. And on that note, Keen Luke, thanks so much for joining me. Cheers. That's that's how we have time from the left wing this week. We'll be back next week with another show. In the meantime, you can listen to us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening, and goodbye.